welcome to Aval Cafe. My name is Brian Hostler, founder of Strong Roots Consulting based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. I'm joined as always by my co-host. Hi everyone, I'm Carolyn Kamen, an independent evaluation consultant working out of Vancouver, BC, coming to you from unceded Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations territory. This podcast is an informal chat on evaluation topics, the kind you might overhear at your favorite coffee shop if your favorite coffee shop were frequented by evaluators. This podcast is for everyone, expert or novice, longtime practitioner, or just starting in the field. Even if you don't identify as an evaluator, as long as you have an interest in evaluation, this podcast is for you. And today on the podcast, we have a special guest, uh, Michael Harner, who's an assistant professor in evaluation at Western Michigan University. And he's here because he loves our podcast. And uh, Michael, do you want to introduce yourself a little further and, and tell us about the topic we're going to be discussing today? Sure. Thanks a lot for that introduction. Yep. I am uh, I'm in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan at uh, Western Michigan University in the interdisciplinary PhD in evaluation program. Fairly new prof- professor here and uh, excited about this. I've been listening to your podcast. I've, well, I've actually listened to all of them. And uh, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I think when I was at Cleveland at the American Evaluation Association meeting just recently, I kind of sensed that I was going to cross paths with one of you and was thinking that it might be fun to participate in the podcast. And those two things resonated with me. I was at a conference. I expected to see one or both of you as I saw you in Calgary. And I thought, well, that's part of why I come to these conferences. So I thought, why not? Let's have a podcast and talk about our conferences and how they create community and all the other things the conferences do for us. And so that's how I presented the idea to Carolyn. Uh, in fact, I don't think I even got a few moments of your time until we were sitting at the closing plenary, I think. That's true. You were sitting in front of me and you turned around and handed me a, a business card with the idea on the, written on the back of it. And I thought that was, <laughs> you were very persistent. I appreciated that because I know I was running around. Uh, that was a big conference. That was, did they say it was 3,000 people? And that was like down from like 5,000 at previous ones? It was somewhere around 3,000 people and down from the previous year, but I believe the previous year was in Washington, D.C., and that always gets a bump because oh, yeah. it brings in a lot of the AEA uh, government uh, people into the conference. So D.C., we always get a little bit of a bump, but between 2,500 and 3,000 is where they've been sitting uh, the last few years, but it has been growing, growing yeah. exponentially. It's yep. a huge conference. That was only my mm-hmm. second time going to an AEA conference, and it's the biggest I've ever gone to. It's really big. Actually, I was trying to I'm, – I'm so curious. Does anyone here know, like, could you even guess about how many conferences that you've gone to uh, over the course of your career? Hmm. Trying to think for myself. I know I've been to three AEA conferences. I was in uh, uh, Minneapolis in 2012, uh, Denver with you, Carolyn, in 2014. Both of us in uh, in walking uh, cast at that point. Uh, that's a whole story and a half right there. And, I wasn't uh, in a walking cast that year. I just had really bad plantar fasciitis, so I was limping a lot. <laughs> okay, we were both limping. We both had leg injuries. Um, and then uh, I was also at Chicago in 2015. And then a couple of uh, CESs, obviously, as well, like Canadian Evaluation Society conferences. So, yeah, um, it's definitely an important part, I think, of our of our um, of our professional work, of our professional identity in some ways as well. So maybe just as a way to kind of start off a bit of a conversation here is 
How do we feel that conf- these conferences uh, contribute to our practice? I think that, you know, uh, reflecting on Carolyn's question about how many, I think is, is a good way of grounding the answer to your question, Brian, and that is that I have been to every AEA association since I, a meeting since I've joined the association in 2004. So this conference in Cleveland was my 14th consecutive AEA conference. Uh, so I've been to all of them wow. since I've even heard of the association. And I think that might be, there are a few of us who I could say that have been to most all of them that uh, since I've been going. Uh, and for me, it's a part of who I am as a as a professional. I like to network, and I think that the network that I build is as important to how I how I practice in the field uh, as uh, as you know as most any uh, characteristic of how I practice. It's who I know, therefore, how might I learn from others and engage others in what I do because I've say met them at a conference, and that's happened. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I I know I've probably been to one, at least one, if not two or three conferences a year since like 2009. I think it was toward yeah the end of my school. I started going to I started going to like Canadian Psychology Association conferences. Those are the first ones I went to, and th- those are also pretty big. And they're they operate very differently um, from like an evaluation conference when you're going to connect with your professional peers sort of a, in in general, I found the site conferences were very much like you're there to, to interact with a very small niche of people in your very specific discipline. And you weren't necessarily necessarily expected to go to um, the other strands that, you know, I was supposed to only go to the social site kind of things. But I always like, I'm like, I do social psych all the time. I'm going to sneak into the, you know, the IO psych and the developmental psych and the cognitive psych. I, I for me, initially, conferences were less about meeting people uh, and more about trying to get exposed to lots of different ideas and um, sort of research and theories I might not come across when you know, I was in sort of my regular kind of training. But with evaluation conferences, definitely the networking has emerged as a really big thing. I definitely have met, um, I meet sometimes meet people at conferences. More often I'm meeting people sort of in other ways and then I get to see them again at the conferences. I find it a little tricky sometimes to meet new people at conferences. Maybe that's just the introvert side of me talking. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, I think, uh, I can't remember if we talked about this back in our Twitter episode uh, last year, but how there's been some times where, oh, I know that person. Like, wait, I only know them on Twitter. So <laughs> they may not know me even necessarily, but like you're Twitter famous in the, at least in the evaluation world. And then now I see you in person and at this conference. Uh, definitely has happened at AEA sometimes. Uh, a number of folks who who have recognized online and then get to, to meet in the flesh as it were. But um Happened at, at Canadian conferences as well to get a chance to finally kind of put a a, a real face, not just the the Twitter icon, to uh, to their to their name and, and such. I've tried to also uh, go as you have, kind of from you both being from Canada, made your way into the lower forty eight, if you will, and moved in and and to gone to the AEA conference, uh, and that was uh, something that I've tried to do as well occasionally, not as much. I, I seem to. You know, AA is on my calendar every year. It's just part of the way I do business. Um, but when I can, I reach out to the other conferences. So I've been to CES usually when I had something to do, like something to present, and I needed a venue or wanted a venue. And so, you know, I, in 2011, when I was working on my dissertation, I was getting close to the to defending. I I went to CES, I think, in Edmonton, 
and uh, presented uh, some of my my dissertation research work. And so I used it that way, which is a little different than using AEA as maybe that network and 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 you know an, an opportunity to see colleagues. Uh, CES and other conferences. So I was at, I went to SEMEA, the South American or South African Monitoring and Evaluation Conference last year down in Johannesburg. And that was specifically about, I had some content and I had some stuff that I wanted to present and I wanted to see what that network was like. Uh, and so I ventured out to South Africa for that. So I guess I think of conferences in that way, maybe as that you're, you're using it you know, locally, it's for my my local community, but when I go beyond my border, maybe it's it's something that uh, a more I've got something that I want to present. I want to see how it resonates with the rest of the world, and I go out that way. Mm. Now I'm curious. So we've talked about so AEA, yeah, it might be two thousand, three thousand people. So the CES conferences, the Canadian Evaluation Society conferences, they tend to be quite a bit smaller. Um, <laughs> you know, the population of Canada is just smaller. So I think I think we tend to get maybe. 500, 600 would be a big year for us mm-hmm. uh, of attendees. So, so Michael, what, like, I'm so curious. Um, I've, I've definitely met people who are sort of American-based evaluators who've commented on, on CES being kind of a small conference. Uh, what are your thoughts on, like, what, you know, big versus small? Are there advantages or disadvantages? Yeah, <clears throat> interesting. So I also went to, so speaking of small versus large, I also went to the uh, European Evaluation Society this past year, uh, and and they have theirs every two years. And so this last year was in um, Thessaloniki, Greece, and two years ago it was in Maastricht in the Netherlands. And they're smaller too. They're very similar in size to Canadian uh, Evaluation Society meetings. And, and they're... So let's let's talk about maybe the Canadian one versus American one, and and then the the European one is, is a little different in its texture too. So I think yes, I think Canadian evaluation uh, society smaller. It find I find it to be more intimate. You get to see. I think if I were gonna be a, if I were Canadian and I was using the Canadian evaluation society, I probably would think of it as this opportunity to really spend some quality time with people who I'm in. Who I'm, uh, who I consider colleagues in my field, uh, because at the American Evaluation Society, you're right, it is so big and it is so massive. As far as I can't say, there's something like a 1,500 sessions in like three days. Oh yeah, it's, they didn't have lunch breaks this year. I just gave up at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's just incredible. You, you know, it, it it has become harder and harder to really make time to see people at AEA. Uh, which I think would be less like that at the Canadian Evaluation Society. I ended up, I think, having more quality time with people at CES than I did at AEA. Uh, so, so there's a texture difference, if you will. Yeah, I found in my personal experience, especially the first AEA conference I went to, it was like trying to drink out of a fire hose in terms of both content-wise, like you said, 1,500 sessions and pre-conference workshops and all sorts of different things. But even just, yeah, trying to, to connect and have uh, quality time with with uh, colleagues or just have those opportunities for uh, for um, yeah, reaching out and, and connecting with, uh, with new friends and new colleagues. So, yeah, that's uh, never easy. We have to kind of be intentional about it, but then it still feels like you're, you're always, you know, shortchanging somebody else or that you're not having the opportunity to like, Oh, I wish I could connect with that person or we were able to meet up for dinner, but we had this TIG or topic interest group meeting and there's this 
excursion out or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's not easy. It always, it always worries me when a colleague says, yeah, let's, let's do something at AEA and let's gather some people at, when we're at AEA and, and use that as an opportunity to talk about something. I'm like, you know what you're talking about, right? I mean, AEA <laughs> is, is back to back to back to back to back. Really, you want to try to do something outside the conference sessions at AEA? Yeah, maybe not so much, unless you want me to come in early or leave later. Mm-hmm. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should talk about some of our strategies for navigating conferences. But first, Mm -hmm. I want to hear from Michael about his other conference experiences. The conferences really differ depending on the audience that it brings, right? So American Evaluation Society is across the board, lots of different things, academics, practitioners, government, private companies come there to sell their wares. It's, you know, it's got a very diverse uh, uh, participants in, in it. At Samea, when I was down in South Africa, I was surprised. I did a workshop, a two-day workshop on qualitative data uh, methods, and all 36 people in the conference, in my workshop, were all government employees and all funded by the government to come to that conference. And that is what I heard was ubiquitous of the, the of the participants at the conference. It was like 95 or 98% of the attendees were government-sponsored and government-funded. And not even though there's a hundred thousand nonprofit organizations working in South Africa, but the government is really the one that is pushing a lot of what's going on there, or supporting, I should say, if you will. Uh, Canadian Evaluation Society, I got the sense that there was a large uh, government uh, contingent as well, mm-hmm. but there still seemed to be a diversity of private practitioners and government practitioners. Um, the Evalu- European Evaluation Society, it was harder to put a a pulse on that, but I did get a sense that there were a lot more people coming from underdeveloped or developing or however global south, and depending on what language you'd like to use around it, but people who are not necessarily European based. There were more people, I thought, coming from other nations and other continents than what I sensed happens in Canada or what I sensed was happening in Samea. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely in Canada. We were our primary one of our primary funders of evaluation in Canada is the government. Uh, we don't have as many private foundations um, or that kind of funding, so we do, often do get a pretty large government contingent. And yeah, you're. I, I think the the funding question is sort of who, because conferences are expensive to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been my sort of primary limiter. One is, do I have the time? But the other one is like you know, is someone going to pay for me to go this year? Or am I going to be paying out of my own pocket? And if I'm paying out of my own pocket, I have to get really selective about where I go, because you're dropping like $2,000 easily to attend a conference. Mm-hmm. And definitely in yeah. Canada, given just the, uh, uh, the distances involved, and just the way uh, airfare tends to be here as well. Um, I think sometimes it's can actually be cheaper to go down to the U.S. depending where it is. If it's a, if it's in a sun destination, it might actually be cheaper for Canadians to attend a, a conference in the states than it is to uh, to go somewhere else in our own country. A little uh, depending where it is. I know CES this year is going to be in Halifax, and uh, for me to go go there from Saskatoon, I'm planning to go fully, but uh, it might be cheaper actually for me to go to Europe. I think <laughs> depending on how I like of affairs and all that, rather than than go to uh, to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big piece of it is who's funding it and where is it coming from. I have historically just called it 
part of my cost of doing business because that's how I value it. I've always, so my, you know, from a longitudinal perspective, even before I came to the field of evaluation, when I was in television before evaluation, I was a member of the International Television Association. And so, and I I held a, a seat on the board of my local television association. It's always been kind of in my DNA to participate in the organizational structure that informs, you know, my discipline or my choice of, of labor. So it, it it's just been part of my uh, uh, budgeting, right? It's just is it part of my budgeting? I, it's not been uh, always easy, uh, but uh, as I've now that I'm at a university, I have to figure that out in our budget at the school and go. Well, I am going to go to that conference, but maybe this year I won't go to South Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I'm. I really want to go to to AEA in Minneapolis next year, but I'm sort of saving up to go to Portland in 2020 because it's going to be so close. I'm just going to take a bus down. <laughs> road trip. Actually, a bunch of us here in BC have talked about, should we just like get a van or get a bus and go road trip down together? That would be really fun. <laughs> so you might actually go to Minneapolis next year because uh, right now, actually, Minneapolis is the only, Amer- no, I'm sorry, um, is one of two American cities served directly from, Sa- like a good direct flight from Saskatoon to the other one is Phoenix. So um, actually, no, I think we got flights to Vegas as well, but uh, Minneapolis is certainly uh, an easier, um, easier uh, tr- trip for me to get to than Portland. But yeah, um, I guess like one question that comes to mind a little bit, um, and definitely hearing what you're saying, Michael, about uh, about the importance and kind of creating that time. Um, like we see other kind of formats uh, for for kind of ongoing professional development and education. There's other in person kind of um, opportunities, like uh, the AEA Summer Institute is one of them. The Claremont uh, Graduate University has other. Uh, um, summer workshop series as well. Obviously, there's tons of online options as well for learning and connecting with people. So, um, yeah, what is what is the value of of conferences uh, today when we have to kind of balance out these uh, financial considerations, these time considerations, uh, environmental considerations as well? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I was thinking about uh, as I was getting ready for this conversation with you is where the value sits and what how that's evolved for me over time and so when i first started attending aea i was rather new to evaluation i didn't come up through an organ kind of a domain that led me into evaluation like many people or you know they work in social work and somebody says hey you're going to do an evaluation all of a sudden they found the field of evaluation i was more of going to grad school for something else and stumbled upon evaluation so when i entered the field when i went to the workshop or to the first conference it was all about knowledge generation and understand what the field looked like and what are people saying and how can i hear directly the voice of people like Michael Patton and Michael Scriven and David Fetterman and how can I hear them talk about what they think evaluation is and what they do. And so for me, it was early stage was very much about learning everything I could from conferences and then going back and and seeing what I could use from that to get better at what I was doing and learn more in depth. As I've gotten further along and read and learned and gotten into my doctorate and gotten further along and Towards the end of my doctorate, I ended up going to the conferences and being very selective as what I spent my time at doing. What sessions I would go to had to be something that would trigger me thinking about evaluation in ways that I haven't yet, right? And so for me, the conference became more of a exploratory opportunity to see what's new, what are people thinking about, what, have, what might I look for as a research interest, what might I 
and now what might I gather that I might use in the classroom to help my students learn more about evaluation? So I think it really depends on what you're, where you are in the, in your discipline and your practice as to what value you can take from a conference as, as huge as AA and as, as little, if you will, quote, air quotes around little as CES. Hmm. I feel like we're getting back to that strategy question again. Like what are, what are our strategies for getting the most out of conferences? Um, and yeah, I think I know, well, AEA always, you know, becomes a strain because you're trying to pick through like 20 concurrent, literally 20 concurrent sessions at a time to figure out, you know, where do I want to spend uh, my moment? Like the, the fear of missing out, the FOMO is high, especially when you hear about someone else was in this really cool session and you were in this session that you thought, well, it, from the title, it looked interesting, but then I got in there and it didn't quite match up to what I was expecting. And um, I know at the most recent in Cleveland, it took me about a day before I really started, like, I don't know, for the first few sessions I picked, they were like, they were interesting, but they weren't quite what I was looking for. I wasn't getting like energized. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think it was the end of the first day, I picked a session. Uh, oh, gosh, what was it called? It was something like, um, what the hell am I doing? Is this even evaluation? <laughs> And I thought, oh, there we go. That speaks to me. I like. I actually, one of the things I've been I've been experiencing at conferences this year. It's really been unsettling. Normally, the you know evaluation conferences are the place I go to like be in community, be around people who know what I do, and 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 like I don't have to explain my work. Um, and I'm just you know surrounded by my people. But the the last few conferences I've been going to, I've just uh, I've been feeling kind of disconnected from my community. Mm. Um, I think as I'm moving more into developmental evaluation and it's sort of like a niche within a niche, um, I'm, and cause evaluation is huge. There's lots of different kinds of evaluation. Mm -hmm. Um, and evaluation is a big diverse field that I've started to find myself being like, Oh, like that, you know, now I, I found myself struggling to explain what I do at an evaluation conference, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a heck of a heck of a feeling. So when I saw that particular session title, I was like, yes, here's, here's people who are asking that same question who are, are also wondering, what the hell am I doing? What, what is, because I think evaluation is also changing and transforming a lot as well. Like it's, it's, it's such an interesting time to be an evaluator, um, but it's also very disorienting. And so in that session, talking to people there, I, I reconnected with sort of, yeah, the, the, the group I was looking for, that those of us who are kind of working around the edges and and not always doing what we know how to do, but figuring it out as we go along. And from that moment on, I don't know, something just clicked and I was able to sort of connect with all kinds of, I still like to go to all different kinds of sessions. Um, I, I always want to, I, I think I do, I look for the thing that might challenge me or be something new, the way that you talked about, Michael, like that's the kind of thing I want to find. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was so important to connect with that group of people as well and feel like, all right, this is, these are, my people are here. That's great. I think one of the, you know, as a strategy, if I can offer one of the things that I did early on before there was an app uh, for the conference sessions, you know, I always, uh, I got the book and the night before we started, I went through and looked by session uh, breakdowns and I, I, I kind of ranked them. I was like, okay, this one is really, I want to go to this one. Here's r rank one. Okay. All right. Here rank is number two. And then I would go to that session, that first one. And if it in the first five minutes didn't, didn't look like it was like, it looked like it was going to be one of those duds where like, okay, the title 
and the abstract was really interesting, but when they got in there, they were the worst presenters or they just weren't going to tell me what they said they were going to tell me uh, or they were just going to explain their evaluation to me. I just got up and walked out and went to my second ranked one. You can't do that as well with the app. And so I often struggle when I go to AA conferences. I don't want to kill the trees and take a book if I don't need it. But then I use the book in a way to help me navigate so that I can have like that ranking procedure right there on the page so that I can easily say or easily flip to the page and go, all right, I got to get out of here. Where am I going? Uh, so, uh, so that was one of my strategies. I will say that's a, that's one of the advantages of a really big conference over a smaller one is that there's more of a norm that it's okay for people to move in and out of conferences. When you're at a really small one, sometimes people can take it really hard if right. you leave <laughs> part way through. Even sometimes when it's like, this is cool, but I just have to go do another thing or I'm trying to, yeah, mm. so... <laughs> right that is the that is an advantage of being at a big conference you can almost be anonymous almost, almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so picking up one thing you said a little bit a little bit back carolyn um about kind of you know trying to find uh you know trying to feel welcome but then also sometimes feeling like a stranger or trying to like find your place even within this group i think one thing about conferences is that it's kind of both an opportunity to kind of be reaffirmed to kind of find your your group and be surrounded in this case by evaluation nerds and know we're all you know you don't need to explain what the heck we do or at least in general terms what what, what we're doing but at the same time a conference can also be a really great opportunity to have some of these more um, fundamental questioning kind of conversations around you know what is happening in our field what should we be doing um, that you we wouldn't necessarily have with uh, you know quote unquote outsiders because it makes us seem you know like we don't know what we're doing or <laughs> why the heck are we here in the first place yeah i think that's an interesting concept i when i was in between my grad you know dissertation defense and taking on this job at this university there was a gap there of about 4 or 5 years where i wasn't necessarily practicing or hanging out with practitioners uh, i wasn't i didn't have a community that i could talk to so the conference was really that Brian, which was this opportunity for me to convene with my my like-minded people, talk about what they're doing, get some, you know, emotional support, professional support, uh, and be re-energized to go back out and potentially maybe even do some of that research that I kept talking about doing but not being able to get to. Um, I wouldn't say that that actually happened as much as, but it. Uh, but it felt like it was going to happen, right? Uh, so I at least felt supported of it, and and the conference became that opportunity. Now that I'm at a university where you know we talk about evaluation every day, and I'm teaching it every day, you know, almost every day, uh, it, it's a uh, it, it, that the conference turns out to be more of an opportunity. I think what I mentioned earlier, which was this place where I can go present my stuff get feedback on it and come back and put it back to work. And while I'm there, of course, convene with my friends and my colleagues and get that communal kind of conversations going. So I think it, again, it depends upon where you might be practicing and how much circle you have mm -hmm. around you. Yeah, and I think, um, mm -hmm. sorry, go yeah, I think that's, oh, just, I, I, I agree. I think that's a really good point. And it raised for me the question of kind of like, where, where else do we find our communities and, and how else do we, uh, you know, build communities around us, or is it sort of just conferences where where we connect mm -hmm. with community? I think it was in the last podcast the two of you were talking about some of your things that are 
happening around you and potentially happening in 2019. And it sounded like maybe, Carolyn, you were kind of finding a community now that you've gotten grounded, you've been where you are for a few years, and you might be building your own community. So it might be something that one has to do locally uh, to find people that they can convene with on a regular basis that at least know what they're talking about. Here in Michigan, uh, just recently, they've started a, a kind of a Western Michigan evaluation network of people who work in the Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo area, which is different than the Michigan uh, Association for Evaluation, which kind of meets up in Lansing, right? So they've looked for fi- ways to find local people who are doing evaluation to get together and talk and not necessarily do like a big association, but have local and locally focused conversations around evaluation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here uh, in Canada, so CES has uh, regional chapters, um, about one for every province. There are some that are joint. Um, And so we have our our CES BC chapter. Actually, we put on our own conference, just a one-day conference, uh, along with our AGM every year. We just had it um, in November. It was a really big success. And so that's one way that we gather people together. And we also, we run events through the province and I, um, I've been involved with some other evaluators. I'm a member of several communities of practice. And then I've also been working to build communities of practice with particularly with emerging evaluators. So new professionals, people new to the field. Uh, We actually just had one of our meetups last night and it was awesome. Um, And I think that's where Particularly, especially for these, like we're talking emerging evaluators who don't, they just, unless the conference is very local and there's a very affordable sort of student rate or new practitioner rate, you know, the idea of being able to travel and go to some of these bigger conferences is just, it's sort of out of reach. So I think it's really important to have those kinds of really local networks that people can connect with um, when they can't necessarily uh, get out to a a big Mm -hmm. conference. Mm -hmm. I would like to bring us back a moment to some, I think, Carolyn, you might have touched on it and Brian touched on it as well, is is the professional development piece of, like, you, you, Brian, you mentioned there's Claremont and there's the Evaluators Institute. I think that's a really big movement that we will see met much more of in the coming years. I don't mean to be predicting and moving into that space of a conversation, but um, the the opportunity for evaluation education is really growing exponentially. I did my doctorate at Claremont. I got to those summer workshops. I had the opportunity to sit with some of the masters in my early years, which is just a phenomenal opportunity. Um, and they continue that. Now they've networked with the Evaluators Institute. And um, and some of these are moving online. So, so you don't necessarily have to go to Claremont, thank goodness, because it's not inexpensive to get there. Uh, and you don't have to go to DC. You can actually do some of these online. And I think that that's a wonderful opportunity. It, it doesn't really give you the networking cap- networking opportunity of going to a location, but if it's just the education component, you know, there are a lot of opportunities and more and more growing. We're actually building an opportunity here at, at Western where we're going to start probably within a year, year and a half, we're going to have some online educational opportunities as well. So it's, it's, it's on the horizon that I think it's going to be growing exponentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know at least one person who has decided that if she had a choice between going to a, a conference and going to uh, the Summer Institute, which she, which she's attended, she would choose the Summer Institute because she found she learned more from that. 
Um, so I think, yeah, if your priority is less than networking and less connecting with people and more like getting that really focused uh, training and exposure. I mean, there, are, you know, the conferences will have workshops beforehand, um, which I've been to some conference workshops and they're great. But uh, it sometimes, we can, you know, it's an extra night in a hotel. It's an extra day of travel. It's not always as feasible. And then the conference itself. I, I always get in, exposed to interesting new ideas, but I don't necessarily come away from those sessions like l completely learning how to do something new. It's more that sort of exposure and then I have to go and do my own work to mm -hmm. really learn it. Yeah, and I think this all kind of circles back uh, to st strategies for approaching conferences or I guess it could even be writ large around strategies for professional development, even just what is your what are you trying to get out of it? What's your What are your key outcomes that you're looking for? Um, is it networking? Is it, um, is it learning? Is it, um, like specific learning uh, skills or certain, uh, new approaches? Is it, uh, to share, um, share your approaches, uh, share, uh, share your research or your projects? Um, or is it just to, yeah, to, to connect and, and hear from some of the masters? Uh, I know that's been some of my, um, kind of most enjoyable times at, at some of these conferences is being able to hear Michael Quinn Patton speak in person or to take um, a workshop with Stephanie Evergreen in um, data visualization or even just, yeah, like see some of these people who I've seen online or, you know, read about or read their own books and get a chance to say, okay, this is what that person is like in person and get to ask them questions or even just, you know, <laughs> see them wandering the halls a little bit too. So um, <laughs> drinking coffee. Yeah. Drinking so, coffee. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's, uh, if that's kind of my strategy, just kind of really know what you're, um, why you're there and it might require, especially if you're a new practitioner, you're going to a conference for the first time, maybe you just need to kind of go in and just be open to it all. And then to see what you, what you, what you drift to, what you're attracted to. And then maybe a couple of times down the road, at least I found that for myself that usually by like the second or third conference of a certain, whether it's CES or AEA, that maybe I kind of finally understand the rhythm enough. I can say, okay, this is maybe what I hope to get out of it. Here's my plan. Here's my um, intention to, to catch this person or this speaker or this topic or whatever. So, yeah. So that's kind of my, my strategy for, for conferences. Yeah. You know, that puts me in mind of, I think, um, another reason that I, that I like conferences and other benefit I've gotten out of going to conferences is just getting a pulse mm. of the field, like getting a sense of like, what are the big topics that everyone's getting excited about right now? What are the sort of the upcoming trends? Sometimes they're fads and, and they, they fade out, but just even having that sense of like, where is the field at right now? What's important to people? I know at AEA this year, um, the really big thing I heard people talking about a lot was it seemed to not matter which session I was in this sort of realization of, Oh geez, we need to be good at people as well as numbers. Um, <laughs> it's just like this sort of running theme for me that I got exposed all the way through the kind of, yeah, yeah, we do. We do need to be good at people um, as well as numbers. Um, and I know yet yeah, at, at past conferences, it's just given me that sense of like, okay, this is where we're at. This is what's happening. This is what people are talking about and having that kind of insight into the sort of the, you know, what, what is contemporary in the field, at least within that area, I think is really useful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think what one of the things that I've always enjoyed and I've always tried to do when I go to the conferences is attend the plenary sessions um, because they're usually a, someone, I would call them a luminary, if you will, but somebody in the field that has something to say and they've been invited to be there because they have something to say. I went to Thessaloniki to EES this year, this past year, and um, Tom Schwant did one of the plenaries and he 
if you don't know Tom Schwann's work, you, you have to indulge in it. It's some beautiful, philosophical, thoughtful, important work, pretty much everything he puts out. And he was talking about this idea of post-normal evaluation, where we've thought that we've had these theories and these these things that we've say how evaluation is supposed to go, but really we've shifted into that, you know, what post-fact world where we're also, you know, where does evaluation sit in a world that is really questioning all of your values and all of your facts? Uh, so it was, so these kinds of opportunities happen at conferences where you can get to hear uh, some really thoughtful work. And if, if that's your, if that's your bag, if you're really into being, you know, uh, uh, engaged in the, how the discipline is developing, then the conferences offer that uh, in in ways certainly at the plenaries. That's what I've I've found. Definitely, and I think mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you totally. I think it provides that space, and I mean when uh, we're just in our day to day work or day to day lives, and certainly um, I know as uh, for me as an independent uh, practitioner. Um, as much as I might like to engage in some of those kind of deeper ranging conversations, deeper ranging kind of philosophical uh, thoughts, you know, there's that project to the next project that I need to work on. I mean, I get to have some of those conversations here of Carolyn on the podcast, which is a great, great venue. But uh, certainly when you get when you're surrounded by people who are in the same in the same boat, they're, they have a similar perspective, but they're also bringing different perspectives to the field. Um, that's when you get some really, really thoughtful conversations happening. So I just want to throw in one of these ideas that uh, that I see as potential ways that conferences can improve over the uh, over time, as a as one of the topics that we had talked about maybe touching on today. And I noticed a few years ago that AEA started holding a new attendees workshop, an opportunity for those who have not been to AEA before to the conference to actually go in right at the first day and have like one hour or so session where it's all about what the conference is all about, how to navigate it, how to, you know, different strategies to get the best out of it. So I thought that was a really great uh, piece that the conference added to uh, it so that it uh, takes into account the fact that, you know, it can be really overwhelming to walk into a conference with 3,000 people and, uh, and get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. One of the things we do, uh, I know we do them at our, our local BC conference, and I think we do them at our national conferences as well as what we call a, a buddy program, where new conference attendees get buddied up with someone who's an experienced conference attendee, uh, who can sort of, you know, mentor them through through that three, four day process and just be someone who's a point of contact right away. They don't necessarily end up spending the whole conference hanging out. But you know, there's there's someone there who's who can t- take you under their wing. Um, and I think, yeah, those kinds of strategies are really helpful. Something else that we did this year with our local BC conference, uh, we made a really concerted effort in how we developed our call for proposals um, because the theme was what's in your evaluation toolbox. And we, our whole idea was that people were going to like come away with like practical ideas and things that they could apply to their own work. Because there's that sort of notorious uh, issue of, you know, you go to someone's session and it's half an hour or an hour of them just saying, here's this program that that we've been, and it's more about the program and not the, the how they did the evaluation mm-hmm. or you're not walking away with something that's like, you know, insightful to, to the field. Um, so we really, really pushed this emphasis on, you know, don't tell us about the, the program or the policy or, or the initiative you were evaluating, except in 
you know, providing examples of how to do that kind of evaluation or how to approach however you approached it. Um, and we got really great feedback from people that they enjoyed that really practical focus. Really good stuff. The conferences are so huge. So it's really any way you can make them a better and more focused um, experience for people is is certainly recommended for sure. Brian, what would you love to see uh, happen at conferences in the future? That's a good question. Um, I think for me, it's really about seeing opportunities uh, like definitely, you know, that we're not going to see the short presentation format disappear. Um, the whole kind of 15 minutes or half an hour where you get one person or a small team going up and presenting. Um, but I think um, seeing more innovative formats, I think we started seeing those, you know, everything from midnight presentations um, to storytelling to um, even like building in creativity. I remember at the CES um, conference in Vancouver, I guess now two years ago, uh, there was a great presentation from, I guess it was the UBC Learning Commons or Learning Exchange. Um, Learning Exchange, yes. yes. So, you know, things like that, I think. It's it's to say, okay, um, and one thing I love about AEA, I'm part of the community psychology TIG, uh, topic, Topical Interest Group, and we always do a walk the talk um, session where uh, it's basically a field trip to a local nonprofit um, to kind of learn a little bit more about what's happening kind of locally, uh, both in the nonprofit uh, sphere, kind of in the community, but also um, get a chance to learn what they're doing around evaluation as well. So kind of making it really kind of tangible and also, you know, obviously it's a short visit, but maybe also giving the benefit of some of our collective experience to uh, back into the community that's hosting the conference. So, yeah, so I think maybe what I want to see, and there's definitely steps in that direction, is to say, okay, how can we just kind of go away from this, you know, uh, however many sessions where someone's standing in front of a PowerPoint and giving the 15-minute synopses and say, how do we build it so that there is opportunity for some, uh, yeah, real real kind of focus on on practicality or real focus on deeper conversations than we can get from just a, from a PowerPoint slide deck? Yeah, maybe in our show notes, we can throw out some, I know there's lots of resources out there on how, like, how to do good, engaging, interesting presentations that get your information across. So maybe we can throw some of those links in there too. You know, one of the things that used to be done with uh, with the AEA conference, so two things I'll mention. One of them is there's the local area arrangements committee. Uh, historically, and I haven't seen this in the last couple of years, they might still be doing it, but it hasn't gotten the kind of profile that it used to have. But there used to be a local area arrangements com committee always organized field trips to organizations. And I remember a few years back, we went out in Denver, we went out to a food, a food pantry, uh, and we got a tour of it. We got introduced to it. Some people actually were doing some serving and volunteering while they were there. And so that was something that AA used to do. And I think that that's fallen by the wayside because we've gotten so big. Uh, and it might be just too cumbersome to organize it with 2,000 people showing up. But that was a really useful, I thought, and really good community engagement type of a component that we were doing with the conference um, and I'm not sure if we still do it, but I haven't heard from about it in a while. The other thing I would say is that one thing AEA does a nice job of is engaging volunteers and giving them uh, some sort of a support for their effort. So for a number of years, I volunteered with AEA as a photographer. And as a volunteer photographer, they would give me a discounted hotel room if I went around for, say, a four-hour uh, shift and take photos at the conference. 
And because my background was in photography, that was an easy thing for me. I transitioned out of shooting into training the photographer for, for years. So I would train the volunteer photographers to go to AA and actually do a good job capturing useful photos. And so AA does have the volunteer opportunity for students. I should I should preface that with they do it for students. You can volunteer if you're a student, and it gives you some sort of a discount, either free registration for the associate the conference or it was a reduced hotel room i'm not sure what they're doing these days but i do know that they have some sort of benefit for student volunteers so there's one thing conferences can do and that aa does that i think is is really helpful mm -hmm. and that's a good way especially if you're a student or, or someone new to evaluation to, to look into what kinds of volunteer opportunities there are and if there are any benefits associated with that in terms of uh, increased access to the conference another good strategy. Uh, I'm wondering if maybe we should round out this episode with maybe if we can each share one of our favorite conference memories. Um, I can start off. Um, I think one of my favorite memories is uh, Denver 2014. Uh, you, you, and me, you and me, Carolyn, I think that was the first evaluation conference we were both at together. And as previously mentioned, both kind of hobbling around <laughs> a little bit. But um, I think that was the first one. I've been, I guess, three years kind of in uh, practicing full-time as an evaluation uh, consultant. And I think by that point, I was starting to kind of get a bit of a handle on the whole scene and um, really kind of starting to recognize people, kind of recognize some names, being able to have some connections. So uh, that was kind of a, an overarching memory, I guess, that's where um, um, this kind of the overall the overall feel, despite, yeah, again, having a little bit of uh, hassle. I remember one particularly long walk, I think, in Denver was that, um, there was kind of two conference sites and there was a long walk between them, at least long walk if you're kind of hobbling along. So you always hope there wasn't a session you wanted to see that was going to be at the end of the very long hallway at the far convention. I think there was site. one for me. And then when I got there, the room was overflowing. So I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, but um, yeah, overall that conference, I think it was great. Just to, again, started feeling a bit more like part of a community. Um, and um Remember one thing too, actually from that too, and maybe goes back to the strategy piece if I can backtrack a little bit around how do you just kind of remember and how do you incorporate the learnings into your practice afterwards? Because you can go for a week or several days and then there's this, all this awesome stuff and you come back to the office the next week and you're exhausted and you've got a pile of work and emails to respond to and you shove all your conference materials in a bag or on a pile on your desk and you know, you look at it maybe weeks later and you don't remember any of it. So, and I think what we did after the Denver one and Carolyn, correct me if I'm wrong with the dates, but I think what we did together, cause you were still in Saskatoon at that time, we did this little um, presentation to our local CS chapter called postcards from, from Denver, where we each kind of did like a little synopsis of like each of us picked three themes or three kind of interesting findings we had from the conference. And we used that as a way to both kind of share the conference, uh, some of the uh, interesting things that came up to the conference for us with other people, but also made us like consciously have to go back and review that material. So um, that's kind of one of my strategies that I'm hoping to integrate more as I do professional development and go to these events. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of stands out for me as a, as a starting of a little bit of a trend. Yeah, yeah, our lunch and learn. We definitely did do a lunch and learn after Denver. So that one, I, I have fond memories of that one too. I think even though my feet were killing me, there, you know, hobbling around the conference with you was pretty fun. It was, um, and actually, one of my my uh, one of my other favorite conferences was also that was the one where I was in a walking cast was CES twenty seventeen here in Vancouver, uh, and I had broken my ankle uh, like the month before, and but at that point I was mostly healed. So I was and I was 
part of the organizing committee for that one. I was doing the social media marketing and I was on the sponsorship team. So whenever I'm part of a conference, I'm helping organize. The conference itself tends to be a bit of a blur because <laughs> um, it's it's a lot to, to be juggling all that as well. But I just remember that conference. Maybe it was because I was also local. I didn't have to go very far. I'd gotten a, a free hotel room because there had been an extra one. And so they gave it to me and one of the other uh, volunteers as a place to crash. Um but like I was I was booking it around that conference so fast that most people didn't even notice I had that big gray walking cast on and suddenly they would look down and be like, oh, my God, when did that happen? Like, No, that's fine. It's basically healed now. Um, I just I, that conference had just such a good vibe. Every single part of it. We had amazing uh, keynotes, the session. There was just such a good energy at that conference. It will always be one of my favorites, even if I barely remember anything that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think for, for, for me uh <clears throat> i think two big memories come for me and they i think they're both attached to the same denver aea that you were talking about it might have been held on veterans day and or at least it started on a veterans day and i'm a veteran so i remember getting to the conference and a bunch of my people my friends you know took me to the bar and bought me drinks so right so you can remember that that <laughs> and so i guess my memories are all going to be about community which was a really big piece of why I thought this was a good topic. And then the, the other thing happened at that Denver conference two nights later, I think it was the, the Thursday or the Friday night, about half a dozen of us ended up at some bar dancing until we closed the place down at like three in the morning and everybody didn't even know each other, but they were all from AEA. And so they were all dancing on this dance floor. <laughs> and I made lifelong friends at that moment because we just were in the middle of a community we didn't know. And we were just throwing down and dancing to a live band. Uh, and so one of, the, one of the fond memories of a conference is that kind of a community building mm -hmm. moment uh, for me. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. Uh, so we have been speaking in this episode with Michael Harner from Western Michigan University, uh, talking about conferences and, and community. Uh, Michael, is there anything we always at the end of every episode, give our guests uh, a platform to promote or share something that you think our listeners should be checking out? Is there anything you want to share? So uh, I'm really happy about being at Western Michigan University. We have a really interesting interdisciplinary program in, PA, uh, in evaluation, and we get students from all sorts of disciplines come here and uh, focus on how evaluation matters within that discipline. And we're, uh, you know, we've got an open call for uh, for, you know, for students for the fall. So uh, get your application in and come join us, and uh, let's let's study evaluation together. Great. No, thank you so much. This has been really fun. I, I really enjoy your podcast and it was a real pleasure to sit and talk with you guys and uh, have our Eval Cafe chat. Thanks a lot. Likewise. Thanks for joining us. That's it for this episode of Eval Cafe. Thank you to all our listeners. Please check out the rest of our episodes on Pinecast, iTunes, or Google Play, or by going through our website, evalcafe.wordpress.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at evalcafe. And if you want to drop us a line, you can find us at evalcafe.podcast at gmail.com. Musical credits go to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for poppers and prosecco or intro theme, and dispersion relation or outro, as well as to Tim at tabletopaudio.com for the lively cafe ambiance in our intro. 